Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. Another week, another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing this morning, man? Doing good. Can't complain. I'm, uh, I'm wide awake for once. It's, uh, it's a good feeling. So. Yeah, that's very rare for you. Uh, <laughs> wide awake Kyle is not what we're used to, folks. And uh, Irfan, how are you doing, man? Good. Solid. It's a Saturday. I'm good. To Saturday, we get to talk sports. It's always a good thing. Just talk some sports. Yep. Busy and day ahead, but waiting oh, really? for it. What do you, yeah, got, what busy do you got going on today? Uh, we'll finish up hopefully soon, and then physio. Got to work. Got to drop off my mom's car somewhere. So it's a busy day. Jeez, that is a busy. Day. I know Kyle has a busy day too. Yep. Yeah. Except and then mine. it might might thunderstorm. So stay safe. Yeah, mine mine's more golf. So mine's <laughs> uh, it's still busy. <laughs> It's okay. I'm not wrong. It is still busy. Hundred percent. Fingers crossed for birdies, man. <laughs> Finger crossed for pars. One birdie. One birdie. How many rounds have you played this year, Kyle? Before the lockdown, did you get out? Two or three of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been. <laughs> he's played two rounds and he's hoping for pars. That's probably where he's at right now, which is smart. I, I agree with him. That's where I'm going to be at tomorrow when we play. So. Hey, you know what, though? As we said, golf is finally back in Ontario. We can golf again. We were the only place in the world that couldn't golf for the last little bit. We can golf again in Ontario. And on top of that, Canadian is near the top of the leaderboard at the PGA Championship. Connor? Yeah, he blew it yesterday. He blew it yesterday. But, I mean, he was leading after the first, and he's still in contention, so. 100%. Good for him, right? Well, boys, we got a lot going on today we want to get to, so why don't we just jump right into it with our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferrara brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And we're going to start in the MLB, boys. I know that's not normally where we start, but this is a very interesting season. And honestly, it's kind of a surprise at the same time because we're seeing a couple of the most incredible MVP races that we've seen in a long time, Kyle. Let's start in the AL, and we're seeing a performance that hasn't been seen in almost 100 years in Shohei Otani and what he's doing. Talk about his ability on both sides of the ball and the record-setting season that we are seeing right now. Honestly, he's one of those he's one of those players where you're not going to see this for a while. You know, I think 
you know, Cincinnati was hoping that Hunter Green potentially turns into a Shohei Otani, but I can't see it happening. Shohei's unique. He's he's one in his own. He's he's got his hitting ability is astounding as is, let alone going on the mound and throwing ninety-eight um and throwing a splitter that drops about a foot and a half. So um like his season is Babe Ruth esque is basically what it is. You know, we haven't really seen this, you know, two way style player that's truly successful basically since Babe Ruth. Um in that and it's just it's it's a wonder to see and the sad reality is the angels are wasting this season that you know trout was mvp uh, style season as well before he went down with an injury and now otani is also in there too like you you could have had angels top two for al voting potentially yet the angels are nowhere to be seen in the actual standings which is just you know sad like they're literally dead last in that al west too so it's like it, it's it puts perspective that this team is quite literally being carried by two players and you know otani is definitely leading the charge right now i would say with the combination of both hitting and pitching absolutely and it's honestly rather incredible to watch because you, you mentioned it kyle he's he's doing it on both sides and doing it so well on both sides. This is a guy who, I'm going to read these off. These were from earlier this week, so they've changed a little bit. But he was ranked 7th in ERA, tied for 4th in strikeout rate, was 1st in opponent batting average, was 10th in stolen bases, 1st in slugging percentage, and 1st in home runs. Like, that's incredible. And someone posted it on Twitter, and I, I had to make the comment. This is like a quarterback or a player in the NFL, Irfan, being first in touchdowns, first in passing yards, 10th in rushing touchdowns, seventh in interceptions, fourth in sacks, and first in passes defended, all at the same time. Like, that's truly incredible, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you're leading categories not only as a pitcher, but as a hitter, like, he's he's dominating both sides, which is... Like Kyle said, it's Babe Ruth style. It hasn't happened since the early 1900s, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me, I just think, you know, he might be the clear-cut winner to be an MVP. And same thing as Kyle said. I mean, the Angels are wasting the careers of two of the best baseball players we've seen in a very long time. Obviously, Mike Trout might be the greatest of all time. We'll have that discussion when he's done his career. But he's getting there. Um, it's just unfortunate that we haven't seen him in the playoffs, like we don't know what he's made of in the playoffs. Um, same thing with Otani. I mean, I, I guess I'll pose this question to both of you. So what happens if the Angels miss the playoffs once again, which looks like they might? Do, do, do those two players ask to leave L.A.? I don't. I don't think so. And the only reason I say I don't think Otani leaves because there's a reason he chose L.A. is because it was. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was closer to home. And just the just the atmosphere in L.A. and the media coverage and everything for the people back home was huge for him. So I think he wants to stay in L.A. Does he ask to maybe leave the Angels? Possibly. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe he plays out his contract. I don't know how long his contract is. I think it's another two years or something. So we'll see how that plays um, out. Um, but Trout... I just don't see him being the guy to say, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I-, I want out. Like that just doesn't seem like who he is. 
So I'm gonna right, say, but no he still on wants that a one. ring, though. Like know, he's he's talked about a ring, think... but this, but they're not bringing anyone in. All right, so you bring in uh, Anthony Rendon, but like that hasn't worked out. Their pitching isn't where it needs to be. So, like, why doesn't anyone want to play with the Angels? Why aren't they willing to sign big names? Like, why didn't Trevor Bauer decide to, you know what, let me go to the Angels and play with the best player in baseball? Like, what's going on? You know what I mean? I get. I totally understand what you're saying. I, I get it. But I just don't think Trout is that kind of guy to ask for a move out. That's that's what I'm saying. It just doesn't strike me as that. So I don't think either of them probably ask for a move out. But Otani might leave as soon as his contract's done. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the biggest thing is, like, in today's world, there's a lot more players that are actually wanting to ask to move, right, compared to, like, you know, early 2000s type thing where – no player asked to be moved. It was the team that would decided if they moved or not is essentially what it was. And now it's all player based on if, Hey, I don't like it here. I want to move over to the next place or where, wherever it may be. I don't know if Trout's that guy. That's the biggest thing. You know, I, I think Trout is, is, is going to, you know, stick to his guns and, um, you know, hope to help that the angels basically pick somebody up is I guess is what it is. Um, I think the biggest thing that the Angels may be lacking is actually giving Trout some input into who comes here and you know, maybe even going to those meetings and trying to sway them, right? Because the biggest thing they need is pitching. They, they need pitching and they need it bad. You know, the, the, the lineup is not bad. Like, their lineup is not bad by any means. But you can't have Shohei being your, your arguably best slash second best batter and your best pitcher. That just, like... No offense to Shohei, but that shouldn't be how it works. <laughs> no. Like, at what point is are we going to say that this guy's going to burn out? He already has, like, a history of an injury. 100%. And that's the thing. Is he also had injuries in Japan, too. So Yeah. Um, yeah. But the ones in Japan were a lot more minor. And let's let's make that very clear. Let's but, <laughs> Right. I, I just I'm just point. saying. At the same point, they add up. That's the biggest You're right. Thing. You're right. So, um, so the biggest thing is that they need to take advantage of this while they can. You know, looking at next year, um, it, to me, it kind of depends who shows up. Like, if, if who ends up actually being a free agent? Like, does Verlander resign? All that kind of stuff. Like, you know, maybe maybe that's the type of guy that it's like a win now mode that the Angels could perfectly pounce on. You know, overpay him, sure, whatever it takes, but don't waste more Trout and Otani coming. So yeah, yeah. I could also see, and this is me speculating, so be very clear on this. What about a uh, Trevor Story to the Angels? Because he's a free agent at the end of this year. He could he could be a piece that might move. Um, there's no there's no confirmation of that yet, but that that could be a piece to watch out for for LA, and that would add another huge bat to the lineup. A guy who hits pretty consistently. He's in the two nineties range usually. So you're looking at that. That could be an, an interesting addition. I don't think they're that far off from being a playoff team. We talked about it before the season. They're not that far off from being a playoff team. So maybe one or two pieces, maybe being healthy, these guys stay and are happy. But right now it looks like they're just wasting away, and that's just not good enough, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah. In a division with the Mariners who are retooling, you're behind them. I know it's just two wins or whatnot, but still. like, I know. To me, if I'm the Angels organization – you got to do something. You got to bring in something. I think Trout needs to be in the ears of everybody. So does Otani. So does Rendon. It's like we signed here for a reason. Like you said, the batting isn't an issue with the Angels. It's the pitching. So what are they going to do to fix it? 
Uh, Otani has two more years, well, one more year after this on his contract as well. So he's done after the 2022 season. So that's something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to another top candidate in the AL MVP race. And boys, welcome north. Vladdy is becoming one of the game's best players at both sides of the ball, something we never expected. He's actually becoming one of the top defensive first basemen so far this year, the way he's playing. He has taken to this position. Oh, yeah, and add in the fact that he's leading the league in OPS right now. Not bad. <laughs> it's not bad at all. It's something that you want to see, and we're looking at we're looking at the emergence of one of the best young players in the game in front of our eyes, while there's other young players who are trying to emerge at the same time. Like, Fernando Tatis did it last year. Now it's Vladdy's turn. And he's showing that he deserves to be there. He's one back of the home run lead. He has 36 RBIs in 43 games. Like, this is a great year. Mm-hmm. And we're not even we're not even two months into the season, Irfan. Yeah, he's taking a lot more walks. Striking out about the same. But taking the walks is a huge thing I've been noticing from him. He's patient at the plate. That's something we haven't said about a lot of the young hitters in the game itself, they're willing to go out there and whack at the ball, try and get a big hit, try to make a big play, but no, he's being patient. And that's something that's huge. And then his average is almost at 340. Um, I think we might be seeing a star in Toronto. Um, albeit it's it's a short sample, but we're seeing a star. We are. And it's something that we, we expected him to be the star on the offensive end. Like, there's no doubt about that. We expected him to be a great offensive player. No one expected him to be a great defensive player. I mean, when he was coming up, he was coming up as a third baseman, and everyone said he didn't have the he didn't have the footwork, he didn't have all that. Well, there's more footwork involved at first base, Kyle. You can attest to this. You played both sides. There's way more footwork at first base, and he's looking really comfortable now. Yeah, hundred percent. And to, to me, the biggest thing is he took reps in the offseason to get ready. That was the biggest key. And and you know, honestly. <laughs> the Jays don't make it easy on him with half the guys who throw to him. You know, if Vigio's playing third or if, or if Bichette's playing short, you never know where the ball's going to be thrown to, to be honest. so Thank God for uh, Simeon. Yeah, it's like one of those that just – and that's, that's saying something that Simeon is your best defender. Um, he's also been one of the best players in the league this year on both sides no, of the ball, no, surprisingly. No, no denying that, but he's been averaging 27 errors per year. I know. So. You're, I, I get it. I'm just saying, like, he's just having a great year all around. So take it as you will for the Jays. Exactly. So, um, yeah, honest, honestly, he's been he's been great defensively. And, and that's honestly, that was the, the thing that was lacking in his game. And, and as Irfan said, the biggest thing is, is, one, cutting down strikeouts and adding walks. You know, pitchers are now wary that you can hit pretty much everything. You know, you could not say that before this year that Vladdy could hit anything because, you know, he was trying to kill the ball all the time. You know, he was, him and Bichette were both going for home runs every single swing. It just wasn't adding up. You know, now he's taking the approach where, hey, if I get a single to the opposite field, I'll take it. But if you give me a fastball down the center, I'm going to take it out of the park. So, um, to me, Vladdy is very one of those. I want to. See, I want him to continue this the whole year and truly have a great year and put his name up there with, you know, Acuna and Tatis and that kind of stuff as the next great stars. You know, there was always rumors that he could do that. And based on his talent, him actually doing it, now he's showing that he can, he can do it. Yeah. You want to know what the crazy thing to me is? And this is one that I didn't really realize this stat. You guys are talking about him taking more walks. 
He's average. He has 28 walks this season in 43 games. He has 28 strikeouts only. He's one of only seven players, qualified players in the major leagues, to have a K to walk ratio of one or better. There's six players ahead of him. That's incredible to me. And you listen to some of the names. You're looking at Juan Soto from Washington, Carlos Santana, Anthony Rizzo, Yandy Diaz, Yuli Gurriel, and Luis Arias. I always get that wrong. First of all, there's four first basemen in that. So first basemen clearly know how to take walks. (laughs) But that's incredible to me. The fact that this is a guy who struck out so much in his first couple seasons in the MLB. And now he has a K to walk ratio of one. And it's not even that high of Ks. Like you look at some of these other guys and like Juan Soto has 15. Carlos Santana has 26, 22, 24, 19, 20, and 16. But Vladdy also has more at bats than every single one of them except Yuli Gurriel. That's impressive that he's not striking out at the rate that we are just we've come accustomed become accustomed to seeing from him. And he's willing to use all sides of the park. The more impressive part for me is the defensive side because we didn't expect that from him. And he's done exactly what we needed him to do. Uh, let's move on again, boys. And uh, the big question now becomes in the AL race. With Trout being out, can he come back and still be part of this race? Or is his MVP candidacy pretty much shot at this point, Kyle? He can always come back. If Trout, he will always get votes. He will always come back. That's That's just how it is. Unless he comes back and hits 115, he will be in voting. Will he be comparatively? I don't know. I think it depends on how Otani and and Vladdy go. You know, the other person we're not talking about also is uh, JD Martinez too. If JD Martinez continues the season he's having, you know, uh, maybe he throws his hat in the ring and it's one of those maybe they get too far that Trout can't can't come back from from where they are, but. Um, it's it's honestly a wait and see game, it, it, and you know it depends if Kraut truly is out six to eight weeks or if he's out eight to ten weeks. I think it depends on on that as well. Um, you know how his injury heals, all that kind of stuff. Is there a chance he can come back? Hundred percent. It's Kraut. I will never count him out for not being an MVP. <laughs> so, um, but it's a, it's a wait and see game. Erfan, what about you? What do you think? He's gonna always be in the race as long as he can hit and play. Even if he comes back and hits one hundred, like a hundred or whatever, he's still gonna be in the conversation because it's Mike Trout, and I think everyone recognizes how great he is. All right, fair enough. I agree with you. I think he can come back and be part of it, but it's just a question that it will be asked, just because he's going to miss six to eight weeks. I think he's gonna be one of those players that I think one of the only few players that can come back from a big injury and still come back and rake. Like I think that's how good he is. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. Let's keep rolling here, boys. And uh, the NL. Who is the favorite in the NL right now? This, this is a, probably the more wide open of the two MVP races. I think AL is becoming more of a, a three, four horse race with the four guys that we talked about. The NL, I could see so many different players having their name thrown in there. And Kyle, I, I don't know about you, but who is your favorite right now for you? Me personally, Ronald Cooney. That's that's my personal opinion. Um, you know, all, all props to DeGrom and, and what he's doing, but I think he's going to be a solid number two. But Acuna is just absolutely raking in the NL right now. Um, 
you know, 14 home runs, 30 RBIs, 285 average, which has gone down a little bit since uh, the last, I think, beginning of the month, he was up at like 330. But um, to, to me, I, I think he's the leader right now. Uh, there's other there's other people that could definitely take over. You know, if Soto truly turns around and, and, and gets real healthy, maybe he has a chance. Obviously, Degrom's there. He's he's working his way rehab from an injury. So, um, you know, it's very similar to the Trout thing. If these guys take a little step forward before he's truly back, who knows what happens? Yeah. Also, the biggest thing, it doesn't get any wins because the Mets don't score a run. That's a whole different issue. Um, oh, but, one nothing losses. Exactly, and it's just one of those. You know, the the other the other guy to me that's having an underrated season that isn't really getting a whole lot of talk about is Jesse Winker. He's outstanding right now <laughs> he's leading i'm pretty sure he's leading the league if not just the nl in batting average um i know yep. and just the nl okay um Mercedes he's just leading the league he's just having an outstanding season and and, and it's kind of underrated because he's in cincinnati so um i like acuna personally but i think winker is definitely an underrated one yeah and you could also talk about um the other Cincinnati player who's playing really well, and Nick Castellanos, who has a 342 batting average with 11 home runs and 27 RBIs himself. Like the two of them have been playing fantastic. Adam Frazier in Pittsburgh is playing really well. Doesn't have the the power numbers, but he's looked really yeah. good this year at second base. Uh, Irfan, who who's your favorite right now? Uh, obviously, you mentioned Acuna. I was going to mention uh, Castellanos. You know, when he's not, you know, trying to fight everybody, he's actually a very good player. Um, and then I think a little shout out to Nolan Arenado. I didn't know what sort of year we're going to see from him, especially going over to St. Louis, but, you know, pretty decent batting average. He's he's made some big hits this year. He's really come into what St. Louis got him for. Um, I mean, I don't know if he'll win the MVP race, but he's definitely a top five, top six contender, in my opinion, just because of how clutch he's been. And, and I mean, with St. Louis leading their division, like if they're healthy, they get into the playoffs. He can be a, a big game changer. So, um, definitely someone to look at for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, right now, if we're looking at NL MVP odds, Acuna is the top on FanDuel. Um, and then you have Fernando Tatis Jr., who's come on since he came back from injury. So he has a chance to to stay involved. DeGrom, as we talked about. Arenado, as you mentioned, Irfan, is fourth right now in odds, tied with DeGrom. And then Bryce Harper is, is sitting in fifth. Um I, I know he's having a decent year. I didn't think he was having an MVP year, but hey, I get it. Like he's he's a very good player, so he's gonna get votes. Nick Castellanos is way down the list. Winker is not even on this list that I'm looking at. They got players like Baez, Rizzo, Osuna, Lindor, Real Muto, Alonzo, Seager all above him. I think I think you're right, Kyle. He's he's the dark horse right now, and uh, that that will be very very interesting to see if he can get. Any votes, because I think he deserves them. Um, but one thing that could be really interesting, and I want to talk about this really quick, and then we're going to go to break. Could we possibly see? Could we possibly see? And this is something that we haven't seen in uh, forever. Two pitchers winning the Cy, Cy Young and the MVP. DeGrom in the NL. Obviously, we talked about him having the chance. And Otani could technically be up for the Cy Young, and the way he's pitching, he's he's up. He's got to be in conversation. I wouldn't say he's at the top of the list, but he's in conversation. 
But tech, even if he doesn't win the Cy Young, he's technically a pitcher. If DeGrom mm-hmm. wins the NL MVP and he wins the AL MVP, that's two pitchers <laughs> winning the MVP, Irfan. That's that's kind of crazy. Uh, it's it's a pretty interesting thing if it happens. I mean, great for the record books, great for the fans. I mean, I think we're starting to see how important pitching is in the game. I mean, we've known it because it's always shown in the playoffs when how important pitching is. But during the regular season, we always see guys that are so good at hitting and making big plays like bat-wise, and then you don't really get a lot of love and credit for the pitchers, even though they're so good. So if it happens this year, I'd be cool with it. But um, like every year, I don't think it will because um, there's always going to... Everyone looks at that offense before they look at that that, that guy trying to shut down the opposing hitters. So... Um, I'd be cool with it, like I said, but I'm not sure if it'll happen just because, you know, in the past we've had Verlander and, and Kershaw when they were, you know, Detroit and, and LA at the time. So, I mean, that's a po- that was a possibility at that time, but uh, I don't know. Be interesting. For sure. For sure. It will be interesting. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on that quickly. Um, I would love to see it. It won't happen, but I'd love to see it. It, 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 would, it would be great. The b- biggest thing for me is I can't see Otani winning the Cy Young over – well, Garrett that's Cole. what I said. He might not win the Cy Young, but we could see two pitchers win the MVP is what I said. For sure. And that's, I think the biggest thing is how Otani, first off, Otani's got to stay healthy. That's the biggest key. <laughs> if Otani doesn't stay healthy, he ain't winning shit. Um, Thanks, Captain crazy. Obvious. If someone gets hurt, they don't win an award? No. <laughs> we were just talking about Trout. If he gets hurt, he's going to do Well, yeah, but that's, Never mind. We're not having this argument on on. Oh, okay. We're not having this argument right now. We'll deal with it later. No, the, the biggest thing is Degrom's got to come back. He's he's got to be Degrom, and I think he will. Um, I think he'll win Cy Young. I don't know if he's going to get the recognition in the MVP just because he's a pitcher, as Irfan said. I, I think they look at batters first and then go and then go uh, pitchers if there if there's no true qualified players. I guess here's what you could say. Yeah. Um, but the AL, I think, is more wide open comparatively. So, as much as I would love to see it, I don't think we will. Fair enough. Okay. I think it would be really cool. Again, I, I agree with you. I don't think we'll see it, but I think it will be really cool. That'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We are going to take a quick break here on the show, and we will be right back to talk a little NHL and NBA right after this. Hey guys, it's producer Jake here from Benning House the Garage Door Sports Network's ultimate degenerate gambling podcast. Catch our episodes weekly on Apple, Spotify, and Google as we bring you banter, laughter, and of course picks for all sorts of games throughout the week. Give us a follow on our socials at BettingHousePod where you can catch all our bets each week as well as some bonus content. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Let's get rich. Welcome back 
boys, we got a lot to talk about. We got to get right to it. NHL and NBA playoffs are started. So that means we have to look back to the beginning of the seasons when we did our predictions and see how bad or how good we actually did. And unfortunately, we didn't do very great. So let's just get right into it. Let's deal with the consequences of our awful uh, actions here because, yeah, it was... It was bad. It was bad. But let's get right into the uh, NHL predictions that we have going on here, boys. And um, where do you want to start, Kyle? North, east, central, west? Uh, let's start with the east. East? All right. Well, we missed big on this one. <laughs> All three of us had Philly winning the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> No, 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 that did not happen. Carter Hart was not the Carter Hart we expected. Philadelphia system fell apart, and they were bad. Yep. That, very, very, very bad. Not worst in the division, but still very, very bad. But they, they, they were pretty damn close. And, and honestly, close. Like, like Philly just completely fell apart this year. And it's one of those, you know, it happens every year, but I wasn't expecting, like, I'm pretty sure they were my Stanley Cup favorite, so. Um, to, to, yes, to me, yes, they, they were, they, were uh, they kind of fell short of expectations, I guess you could say, for a little bit. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing was um, undervaluing the, the Boston and Washington teams. I think in that division was was probably our our biggest fault. Well, it's funny you say that because, but we had them second and third. All all three of us had them second and third in some variation. So we got it yeah, right. I, I think I think the other one that we kind of missed big was was where we had Pittsburgh um because you know we had Pittsburgh potentially out of the top four with the Rangers sneaking into number four um is what I think majority of us said all three of us had Pittsburgh at six in the division which is where Philly ended up yeah so we had the right state winning the division um but yeah no so I I think that's the biggest thing is is undervaluing uh, undervaluing Pittsburgh and overvaluing Philly and, and their aging core, you know, looking that's at that's the same thing for Pittsburgh, though. But I think we said that the, the Pittsburgh was headed the wrong way because we didn't know what to expect after that Casper trade and, and what is going to happen with that defense and that goalie situation. So I think I don't think we were wrong, I just think we got shown. <laughs> well, I, I think I think the biggest thing is we like we it's Crosby and Malkin. I would take Crosby and Malkin over anybody on. Philly right now maybe Couturier you could argue but like he, I would like, take him over Malkin but I still would take Crosby over everybody on but, but that's what I mean so like I, I think you know we as non-Pittsburgh fans we kind of devalued Crosby I guess in that way and and honestly it, it is on Jari and Jari and DeSmith took a step forward very much like Hart did last year that was the biggest thing right so you know they took that step forward and they became that that starting goaltender and you know it's worked out for Pittsburgh. You know, it's even worked in the playoffs too. You know, they're up two one on the Islanders, and uh, you know, we're not going to talk about the Islanders eventually being that other team we kind of forgot about because we just don't like the Islanders play. But um, well, you don't like it, the Islanders play. I, I like system play because I'm impressed by it. Yeah, that doesn't make for good hockey. I didn't say it makes for good hockey. I said I'm impressed by it. I did not say it was good hockey. I'm impressed by their ability to play very, very well within a system that is so strict. Like, it's so hard to play system hockey. 
it really is hard to play system hockey and have everyone buy in. So, nonetheless, we messed up on Philly, and uh, we'll, we'll try it again. Yeah, it, it wasn't pretty. I think we we just didn't expect a lot of secondary scoring from the Pens. I think that was the biggest thing. I don't think we undervalued Crosby and Malkin. We just didn't expect. Brian Russ to have 22 goals, Jared McCann to have 14, Kapanen to have 11 with 30 points in 40 games. Like we just didn't expect to get that from the secondary scoring, and they got it. So mm-hmm. it worked out. Irfan, you get next pick. What division are we going to? Let's do the West. The West. Well, we did pretty good on this one. We got yeah. the top three teams, or no, we got three of the top four teams because we had St. Louis all at second. Uh, they ended up finishing fourth. And then we had the surprise team who I had in last place, dead last, Minnesota. Minnesota. And, uh, Kyle, you made a great point at the in the um, in the preview show. And you said Kaprasov is a player to watch. Did you expect this from him? And then I'll let Irfan talk about the rest of the division. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but yes. Like, like it's like he, he was – he was one of those players coming from overseas that had all the hype surrounding him that, you know, he was this next great player in the NHL. And honestly, after watching even world juniors and other, other European events, I was bought in hundred percent. You know, I I thought he was going to be a fantastic player and it turned out he was, he's literally been the pretty much the heart and soul of that team this year. He's been, he's been the, you know, the, I guess the leader in that aspect, but more, points wise and, and what he brings to the ice because um, Minnesota has some rear guards that are a little bit older too. So um, he's been everything I thought and more to be honest. And, and he is easily hands down the rookie of the year. Yeah, oh, it's not even close. It's not yeah. close. Um, Irfan, you want to talk about the rest of the division there? Um, we kind of nailed them. All three of us had Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, top three, Ten. obviously St. Louis finished fourth, but um, we all had Arizona finishing fourth. They finished fifth. So we were right there as well. We're pretty good with this one, yeah. yeah I think we, kinda... we gave St. Louis a little bit more credit than we should have, but that was about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm for a, a surprise team always making the playoffs and, and somebody we don't expect. And the full marks to the to the Wild because like they they did a massive shift in in their leadership. They changed um, their general manager. They they tweaked some things around goaltending wise, and they still came out in third. So like. Very good season if, if you're a Wild fan. Very good season. And a couple of quick comments that we made. Um, Kyle, you asked the question, is Leonard for real? Mm-hmm. Did we learn anything about that this year? Is he for real? <laughs> kind of, not really. Like <laughs> We did, but Flurry's the number one goaltender. So at the same point, we don't truly know if Leonard is for real or not. So. Yeah. It's still kind of up to date. I think he's a great goalie, but I don't know if he can handle the you know the the workhorse load uh, of a season. We still yeah. haven't seen that. So yeah. I'm quite um, surprised though that Flurry has become the number one because Pete DeBoer didn't like last season didn't have any faith in in, in the flower at all, which was like okay. And now you know Flurry's making big saves and he's making stellar saves um, and really keeping Vegas in a lot of the games. So. Um, I mean, we know what Fleury is and what he can do, but um, I think, you know, they need to figure out if Leonard's that number one because they gave him money like that. So um, maybe Pete DeBoer is just like, well, I have to run a hot hand before I get yelled at. Um, but the next year he's going to go back to Leonard. Um, but 
I don't know, a little surprised with that. The other thing that we talked about in the preseason was how long until Fleury gets moved? Well, he's not getting moved after this season unless someone's paying huge prices for him because he played his way back into his contract, which I didn't think was possible, but he did it. I took that knife out of his back. That's what he did. That's true. I still um, think there's a chance he gets traded this offseason, to be honest. He could still Just get the- traded this offseason, but someone's going to have to pay a lot more than they would have last season. Or Seattle just takes in the expansion draft and doesn't do it's a new point. So, well, yes, that's, um, that's the other option. But right, because the other thing is they have they can only protect one goalie in the expansion draft, and if they protect Flurry, Laner is hundred percent being taken by Seattle as their starting goaltender for the next for the future. For sure. Right? So, and maybe Flurry becomes the uh, first goaltender to be picked by two different expansion teams. You know? That'd be a story. Mm-hmm. Kyle would have to write about it, but that would be a story. Sure. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the Central Boys. And, yeah, this one was interesting. Kyle, you did pretty good. You got three out of four. Um, nice. I got three out of four. Or, no, I got two out of four. And, Irfan, you got two out of four as well. Um, we expected a lot out of Dallas and Columbus. All three of Columbus. us had both of them in the top five. We did. I think Columbus is the same thing as the Islanders. They play that certain system. Um, and also before the season started, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois was still a part of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So we assumed that that might be what they did, especially building off the playoffs the season before. Didn't happen. They really didn't show up. Um, that kind of summarizes all our picks there. Yeah, but I mean, we, we did have some good picks. I mean... You guys both had Carolina sitting second. They ended up finishing first ahead of Tampa. I think we undervalued um, the system that Carolina plays because it works perfectly for the players that they have. I'm not saying it's a strict system like we we see in Dallas and the Islanders and stuff like that. But they have a system, and it works for them. And I think we undervalued that. I also didn't don't think we gave the goaltending enough credit in Carolina. And we just expected Tampa to do what they did last year. So we, we all put Tampa in first. You guys had Carolina in second. I had them in third. Um, Kyle is the only one that had Nashville making the playoffs as the number four seed. So congratulations, big guy. You did it. And you also said that Carolina could top Dallas, which is what you had on your thing. Well, Carolina definitely topped Dallas. So full credit to you there. I had a good comment before the season, and I laughed really hard about this. And you guys kind of questioned me about it, but I'm kind of ca- I'm happy that I went with it. I said I would take Barkov and Huberto over anybody on Dallas. I think that they possibly could score almost as many points as the entire uh, or sorry Nashville. Anybody on Nashville, and I think they could almost score as many points. Well, Nashville had 151 goals this year. Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov combined had 119 points, so it was actually a pretty close race. <laughs> Two guys against an entire team. I thought that was funny. I thought that was a good one. But other than that, are any anything that you wanted to talk about in this division, Kyle? Um, surprising the Florida Panthers, maybe. I guess it's really what it was. You know, to, to me, they finally got the goaltending, and that was that was the biggest key. But they also got secondary scoring. You know, Carter Vahey came out of nowhere, really, and um, they they kind of took that next step. You know, obviously Dallas struggled with injuries and. and not getting the goaltending play from Kudobin and, and, and that kind of stuff. You know, Ottinger st- stepped up this year, but I think the biggest thing is the Stars are missing Ben Bishop. That's the biggest key. And um, I think that's the reason why the Stars didn't 
take the next step because people thought Ben Bishop was going to come back this year. And all of a sudden his injury is just all, all the way throughout the season. So, um, you know, and, and I think with the Columbus thing as well, the Columbus thing, I think was built as Irfan said, building off the playoffs last year, upsetting the Leafs last year in the playoffs, taking those right steps, looking like a team that's going to succeed. And then all of a sudden just falling completely flat. Your goaltending doesn't show up. You know, both goaltenders were arguably terrible this year. So, um, uh, it's not really a surprise, but it's a surprise at the same time. Yeah. Irfan, what about you, man? Uh, anything that you wanted to touch on in this? And then I have, I got I get to post something to Kyle after, but. Um, no, I think just Florida being that surprise team. I mean, obviously when you have a Stanley cup winning coach, you know, you expect a little bit more last season and they didn't show up last year and then they showed up this year. So, I mean, kudos to the Panthers for finishing second and, and really taking Tampa Bay, to the brink, um, pushing them around this season, regular season playoffs is a different story, but um, like kudos to, to Florida for sure. Yeah, Kyle, you had a comment before before the season started that I thought was very interesting, and you were talking about Matthew Shane possibly having a very good year. You said th- th- he has the potential to have a very good year. He only played in thirty four games, but he had thirteen points. Is that enough for you to say that he? jumped over Ryan Johansson as the number one? Because we talked about it before the season. Is there a chance that we can have both of these guys come back if neither one of them steps up and really takes that number one spot? Uh, is that enough to say that he is the number one? Or is he, or is this going to be an offseason where we see potentially th- there's going to have to be movement from one of these two? Yeah, no, I don't I don't think he truly cemented himself as number one. That's the biggest thing. I think you know, they're both right now. I think they're both 2A, 2B options, I think is really what it comes down to. And, and they don't truly have that number one center. And the biggest thing is they don't have secondary scoring. You know, the, 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 the they don't really Duchesne, have, they don't really have first line scoring either at this point. Well, they, they have Philip Forsberg. And I would take Philip Forsberg over a majority of wingers in this, in this league for sure. I think he's severely underrated playing in Nashville. So, um, the biggest thing to me is getting some more scoring and maybe it's getting rid of Duchesne and having another person step up to the second line and bringing in some more wingers or whatever that can actually put the puck in the net. I think that's the biggest key. Um, you know, Sorrow stepped up this year. He looks like he's only in the future. Defense looks good. So now they just need scoring. Um, but I'm not, I, I, I'm not no longer, I'm no longer buying the Duchesne. Trip, so. Fair enough. Well, I wasn't 100% buying it either at the time, and now I'm I'm off it. He, I like the guy. I just don't think he's good enough to be a number one. He might be a number two on a, on a decent team, uh, but that remains to be seen because he's never really been put in the true number two role, right? Like, he's yeah. always been asked to try to be the number one. I just don't think he's a number one. Okay, let's quickly move on to the North Division, and um, me and Kyle nailed this division. Got all four playoff teams. Check. Irfan, do, I did do you want well. to talk about it, buddy? I did well. I got the Habs in fourth. I got everyone correct in their order except for Canucks. Come on. Getting a little bit of credit. You guys didn't get yours in the correct order. Hello? Hello? You're, you're, you're right. But we didn't have the last place team in third and the well, third place team in last. Listen, Ryan said it on your show as well. The Canucks should have been better than they were this year if A, COVID didn't hit them and they, and they actually figured out how to score from maybe aside for two players. That's oh, what happened. 
like almost as if they maybe should have re-signed to Foley to score. <laughs> Who to Foley? No, see, they, they wouldn't have signed to Foley because that's common sense, and that's not what they were going for. Jim Benning doesn't go common sense. Okay, sure. he keeps he keeps Erickson, but he lets to Foley go. I, I don't know. I have a guy on my team who scores goals. I'll pay him five and a half million dollars. It'll still be a steal of a contract. No, I'm good. No, I'm just gonna let Erickson play on my scratch list. That's what I'm gonna do. He's gonna get. Jake Bertanen still playing. Yeah, no, I definitely got the Jets off. I wasn't expecting, was not expecting the Jets to be anywhere near the playoffs, especially with a, a weaker defense core than we've seen. But um, they proved me wrong, and I'm cool with it. And um, that's what grit and tenacity and fight gets you. Third place in the North Division. <laughs> um. Before the season, Kyle, you asked a very interesting question as well. I'm going to keep going back to it because I listened to the whole show. I want to bring up good points. You asked the question, can Thatcher Demko be the guy? Can Thatcher Demko do it if Holtby can't? Well, Holtby couldn't do it this year. Yep. Can we honestly say that Thatcher Demko could do it? Because I think he did. I think he stepped up and he, he became a true number one goalie in the NHL. Is that, 100%. Do you agree with me? 100%. Demko was a Vesna candidate before he went down with COVID. Like, he was arguably probably two or three in the Vesna race. Up there with Vasilevsky, Grubauer, and Varlamov. And it's one of those, like, he was he was up there until the whole COVID thing hit for the Canucks, and then everything fell apart. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I 100% now the Canucks have a number one goalie, and it is Demko. It's not even close. You know, they, they tried to push Holpe, but Holpe never bounced back to, to you know, Three or four years ago, Holpe. He, he's, it, I, th- I think it's all but established now that Holpe is no longer a true starting caliber goalie. Yeah. So, um, and that's terrible to say because he's 31 years old. Like he's still got uh, time. Um, but, you know, this is Demko's team. That's that's the biggest key. So, um, if the if Canucks can get healthy, watch for them next year to, to, to be contenders for that fourth spot. Third, they could be third. No, well, the other thing is we don't even know the, if these divisions are going to be the same. But that's keeping well, with these divisions. Well, if they're in the Pacific Division next year, they're playing against the three LA teams. I'd much rather that. True. <laughs> or three California, not LA. Three California teams. I would much rather be playing them than the Leafs and Oilers every fifth game. True. So, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, I just mm-hmm. thought it was important that we look back at our predictions now that the playoffs are, and we'll get into a little bit of playoff talk after this, but uh, let's flip over to the NBA boys. And we missed big on one team. Raps stuck. <laughs> yeah, the Raptors were not very good, but let's, let's quickly hit the West. And uh, we talked about the LA Lakers, the LA Clippers talked about, uh, Irfan, you said the Nuggets were the biggest competition for the Lakers this season. You know who we didn't talk about? The Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. How did we miss how good these guys were going to be? Irfan, I'll start with you. Well, probably shouldn't forget about Chris Paul and the fact that every team he goes to does well in the regular season because he finds a way to get them going. Um, playoffs, again, remains to be seen with, with CP, but... Um, yeah, I think we underestimated them, especially with Devin Booker and a lot of the very good young players, and they were very hot last year coming out of that bubble. Um, yeah, I think we, it was a bit of an of an oversight, especially in a, in a in a division where, or in a conference, sorry, where there's LeBron and Kawhi and um, 
the Joker and you know Jamal Murray, Steph, like there's like Damian Lillard. Like you're looking, that's like five or six teams are Harden before he left the Rockets. So I mean, we had six we'll to seven that. teams that were, I guess before like we just thought of we didn't think about the jazz um we didn't think about the suns um obviously yes the jazz would have been a top four team they've they've been consistently top four but i don't think you you say their name right away because there's other massive names in the league and that's that's sort of what we did um which is fine and i think like we said having you know the suns or the jazz or these surprise teams sort of the the grizzlies who are in eighth now um show up and, and and sort of you know say hey we're still around doesn't mean you know kind of change that mold of the spurs and the warriors sort of thing so um yeah i'm cool with that but uh, we did overlook them for sure yeah we missed a little on that one um i want to talk about the rockets because before the season we were talking about how they won the westbrook wall trade because harden wanted to play with john wall we're like oh this is going to be great for the rockets even if wall doesn't play up to his like potential He's a good passer. He can move the ball. He, he doesn't have to be on the ball as well. What what happened, Kyle? Like what what happened? <laughs> they have no depth. <laughs> they had nothing behind 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 those two. They had nothing. You know, Christian Wood took a step forward, sure, but then he got hurt. Yeah, he he got hurt. John Wall was. Fine. up and down i would say he was fine team. like i wouldn't say he was yeah. good i don't think he was great he wasn't awful but 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 he was great on certain days and he was terrible on other days and that's that's the biggest thing he was so up and down for houston that they just couldn't do anything else and you know everybody else on that team was terrible and as soon as they ever got rid of harden who was their consistency it was gone so it was one of those you know the, the rockets were the worst team in the NBA and deservedly so because they were absolutely terrible. So um, I would definitely say that the, uh, the wall Harden easily, easily won. You mean the like, Westbrook? Yes. Yeah, sorry. The Westbrook. Yeah. Westbrook wall. Right? Oh yeah. So, the wizard, the wizards won that right now. Yeah. Now we'll have to see what the, first round pick turns into but they get if even, they get some even, superstar even then, player even then right now that's that's the wizards first round pick and the wizards are in the playoffs so if the wizards yeah. go anywhere in the playoffs we'll see no i'm just saying like if they like strike lightning in a bottle it doesn't look as bad but right now sure. yeah the wizards easily won that trade and we were both talking about it being or all three of us were talking about the rockets winning that trade like they won that trade because they got John Wall, a very good piece, and a first round pick. And yeah. we didn't really have any faith in Westbrook. Do I still think Westbrook is a good teammate? Absolutely not. But he won enough games to get the Wizards into the playoffs when we had very little faith in the Wizards. He triple doubled their way into wins. That's what he did. Hey, I don't care how you do it. A win is you a win. Do is it, a win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not denying. I'm just saying that they got a triple double sort of player and then a better defender went the other way and it kind of didn't work out for the Rockets. They kind of fell apart and combusted from internal. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to the East and we will talk about uh, the one thing Irfan, you and me both agreed on that now makes us look kind of dumb. We had no faith in the Sixers, my friend. Zero faith. Kyle had them top four. Sorry. Kyle had them top four, so I'll give him a little bit more credit than, <laughs> than you and me. You and me both had them at six. They played pretty well this year. They won the they won the conference. 
uh, ahead of a very good Brooklyn Nets team, which I don't think any of us expected Brooklyn to be this good at the beginning of the season. But that's because they didn't have Harden. We didn't or Griffin or anybody else that wanted to go win. Durant wasn't healthy yet, so we didn't know when he was coming back. Uh, Kyrie was in and out of the lineup. Like we didn't expect them to be this good. We expected them to be a playoff team, but probably Mm -hmm. like the bottom half of the playoff teams. Yeah, no, they they finished second. Bucks finished third, which is kind of good. New York Knicks. The New York Knicks finished fourth. Atlanta was fifth, and then the Raptors are not even in the play-ins. We had them all, all. Every single one of us had them third, by the way. Good on us. But, yeah, no, they, they kind of imploded. And one thing that I really pulled from it was um, we were interested in the addition of Baines and Len. And the conversation before the season was, well, how much? How are they going to play? How are they going to fit into the system? Kyle, you talked about if Ibaka had stayed, that Chris Boucher might be out. Yeah. Just based off of rotations and stuff. Looking back now, look at knowing what we know, Chris Boucher was the best center that we had this year. Yeah. Was he even listed yeah. as a center? He's listed no, he's, as uh, a forward center. center. Yeah, okay. But he... So, the biggest thing, to me, if Ibaka came back and you don't add Baines or Len, we might be talking about a different Raptors team. Yeah, 100%. Because I think the biggest struggle for them in the first half of the season was the, that center position and not getting – any anything from it that was that was the biggest key yeah. um but at the same time boucher definitely stepped up was worthy of that contract this year um do i think he's a center in this league i don't i think he's a hybrid right now um oh absolutely he, he's not he's not a center i'm not saying that he's a true center he can play center yes 100 he, he's the second rotation center perfect spot perfect spot you know it, but the only problem is starting power forward, you can't put him there because that's the active spot. So, you know, to me, Boucher was one of our best players, but he's kind of lost in the rotation right now. He's kind of that tweener guy. Yeah. He's the first off the bench or second off the bench or whatever it may be. But the way he played, he's kind of deserving of that starting rotation spot too. So um, there's, there's a system that you could play with him at center. That's the starting rotation, hundred percent. And I'm sure, sure Nick Nurse but, will figure it out. But if you're if you're facing Philly and Embiid, he's getting eaten alive. He actually Boucher played well eat. against Embiid. I think Embiid is the one the one true center that he plays really well against. I agree with you though. A real center that is big like Embiid should be able to bully him. I agree with you. Embiid is the one exception to that rule for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. So it, it's it's interesting, you know. I, I don't think the Raps are going to be in true contention. You know, will they sneak into the seven eight spot next year? Potentially. You know, that seven eight spot would had a losing record, or sorry, the, the eight spot had a losing record. And if they keep the play in, then seven through ten has a chance to get in. So, um, will I think? Do I think the Raps are in that territory if they add a, add a piece or two? Yes, I think they're in that seven to ten category. Um, but. Yeah, the biggest thing was in that division, I don't think we saw Nets or, or Knicks coming out of that division in, ahead of the Raptors. So. Oh, God, no. Not a chance. Irfan, yeah. um, we talked about it a little bit, but are you – is there is this Raptors team as bad as they were this year? Like, on they, they were one of the hardest-hit teams by COVID. They missed the most man games because of it. Their coaching staff missed the most games out of any coaching staff in the league. Is this team better than they showed this year? Yeah. 
I mean, 100% they're better than they, they showed this year. I think, you know, obviously every team's going to get hit with injuries or COVID or, or whatnot. Your stars are going to be out. It, it really comes down to how do you battle through it. And, and you know what? They, they battled. They tried to scrap. They just were missing the players that were their difference makers. You know, when you have Lowry not playing, you don't have Fred there. They traded away Norman Powell. Um, you don't know what you're going to get from Pascal Siakam day in, day out. Like he'll be hot for three games and then cools down. I mean, OG's had a better season, but it's kind of been overshadowed shouted by the fact that uh, the Raptors are sitting at 12. So I get why we had them in a top six position, because I still think that playoff experience and that season experience is what helped them. And I'm sure that they would have been in the play in if, you know, they're a little bit healthier, but that's, that's a major if for everybody. Um, are we going to start seeing them in that seven to 10 role in the next couple of seasons? Probably. Are we going to see them slide to the bottom like they did this year? Probably. Um, they just have to find a way to, to replenish that, that quality that they've lost. They, they didn't really do much to replace Gasol. Um, Len was not the answer. Baines was not the answer. Um, they lost to Baca. Like he just was like, okay, bye. Um, and they expected Boucher to come in and Boucher, like you guys said, he could be a top six player. He can be the sixth man off the bench. He can do the, the Mo Williams thing or, um, oh, sorry, Lou Williams thing where he goes out and, and, and consistently comes off the bench and drops 15 points a game or picks up m- massive rebounds. But um, he did become a better defender, but they, they haven't done anything to replace the stars that they've lost. That's the problem. So whether that means Masai comes into the offseason, whether or not he's still here come next season with his contract or not, that's a big thing. Um, but what's the vision coming out of the Raptors right now? Is Are, are they expected to compete? Or are they expected to hit a soft retool and start again? Fair. Fair enough. Well, let's look towards the playoffs now, boys. And uh, quickly, I want to get your thoughts, Kyle. Uh, who... Who comes out of the East? Let's start with the East. Who comes out of the East is the Eastern Conference champion right now in your eyes? Brooklyn. Okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's hard to argue against the, the big three, you know, the, the big three showing up, you know, I think they wiped the floor with the Celtics. That's the biggest thing. This is Celtics are not a good team. The only thing going, the only reason the Celtics are in the playoffs right now is because Jason Tatum just said, Hey, get on my back. We're going for the playoffs. Oh yeah. He carried. That's been the whole year. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's the biggest thing is other than that, the Celtics have nothing going for them. And the big three are healthy right now for Brooklyn. It, it's, it's just not even close. Yeah. You know, the one surprise team look out for the Knicks in the playoffs. I think the Knicks have a chance to actually do something this year. You know, I think they beat the Hawks. I, I truly do. And, oh, you know, yeah, I, I think, agree with you there. I think they give the Sixers a run for the money. If that's who they end up playing in the next round too. And I think that's, to me, that that would be a great matchup. You know, Julius Randle against, uh, you know, Giannis or no, sorry, um, I said Sixers. Um, Embiid against Embiid uh, is exactly who it was. We got you. you know, don't worry. Will they actually actually match up? Maybe not. It might be Duncan Robinson. No, not Duncan Robinson. Um, I can't even think of the center for the Knicks right now. Um, going up against Embiid, but Julius Randle will eat the power forward alive. Sure. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, yeah, I was thinking Mitchell Robinson is who I was thinking, but it might actually be Nerlens Noel who starts against Embiid. But um, the Knicks are my surprise. Fair. Well, you kind of you kind of jumped the gun a little bit. We're we're a couple spots away from surprise team, so we'll hold on to that. Irfan, who do you have coming out of the East? The Nets. I mean, in the big three, they went and retooled. Who did they pick up? 
I will list it for you. Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan. They got a, a, a good point guard off the bench. Mike James, uh, Jeff Green can play small forward. He can play any role basically in the playoffs. Um, Dinwiddle, whatever. Like you, ha- they have depth off the bench, and that's something that I guess they have the luxury of when your when your top three players are James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. So it's the Nets. <laughs> I agree with you guys. The only thing that could stop the Nets is if the Sixers defense plays out of their minds if they meet match up, which I just don't see it happening. No. So we'll see. Uh, Western Conference are fun. We'll start with you in the West. Okay, buddy? Who do you sure. have coming out of the West? Just one quick thing about the, the, if it's Philly against the Nets. Um, Doc's a better coach, so Doc is a but, better coach. I just don't so, think they have enough people on the defensive side to be able to shut no, down the big three. Like That's they're going to expect Joel Embiid to pick up two guys, and he's just not going to be able to do it. No. Um. Sorry. Okay. So back into the West. Um. The Lakers got healthy at the the right time, but I'm gonna say, I think the Denver Nuggets come out of this. I really do think they're going to come out of this, and uh, and yes, they're they're full of injuries, but there's something about what the Joker is done with this with this lineup. So yeah, I'm going Nuggets. I'm probably gonna be wrong, but I'm going Nuggets. Hey, stick with your guns. Uh Kyle, what about you? Um I'm gonna go a little off the board and pro I'm gonna go LA Clippers come out of the West. Um it's 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 a little off the board because everybody's saying you know Lakers, Suns, that kind of stuff. Um I, I think whoever comes out of that Suns Lakers series is going to get beat up, and you know, it, and to Irfan's point, if Jamal Murray was there, I would 100% say the Nuggets. But missing Jamal Murray, I think, brings that team down to more of a six, seven, eight squad rather than a true number three squad. That that's that's my opinion. And plus, they're going against they're going up against arguably the hottest team right now in the Portland Trailblazers, who are just firing at all cylinders right now. So that's that's the biggest thing for me um, is I think the Nuggets are going to struggle in the first round against Portland. But um, <clears throat> I say Clippers. I think it's just a little off the board. I don't want to say Lakers. I think the Lakers are going to have their hands full with the Suns. You know, can, can Booker and Paul and DeAndre Ayton upset LeBron and the Lakers? I think it could be a great series. So we'll see that for that one for sure. Um I would want to say the Jazz have a shot, but I just don't trust the Jazz until they actually do something. So, uh, to me, I like I like the Clippers to come out. It's an interesting shout for sure, and I think honestly, I think you're right with the Nuggets. I don't think they actually get by Portland, just because they don't have anybody to guard Dame. Like if Murray was there, Murray's guarding Dame, you have a better shot. Murray's not there. You're losing out on one of your top defenders, especially against a player like Dame. Dame, I think they actually beat them, which allows for the Clippers to play the Jazz in the final of the Western Conference. And I think the Jazz win. But that's me. Uh, Kyle, you kind of jumped the gun on this next conversation quickly. So, uh, uh, Irfan, who's your surprise team? In which conference? It doesn't matter either. Kyle already said the Knicks are his surprise team. So, um, Okay, so in the East, I'm going Hawks. I'm going to go the opposite of the Knicks. I think the Hawks have done some fun stuff this year. Um, they haven't played that great against the Knicks, but I mean, I'm going to ignore that and, and say that it's the playoffs. And the Hawks have, have 
I think they're their fifth best team in the East. And obviously that's why they're there. So um, if you're looking for a surprise sort of thing, because every other team is is pretty decent um, and, and could potentially will lose against the, the favorite. But I think the the four five is always going to be a close matchup. And I'm going to go over, over to the West and the other four five. And I'm going to take the Mavericks because um, there's something about this Mavericks team with the depth that they have with their, their one and two. I think they'll match up well against Kawhi. Uh, and company, but um, I, uh, the four and fives are going to be close on both sides. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, I actually have Portland as my surprise team. I think they make it. I truly think they make it to the Western Conference Final, uh, as long as they don't have to play Utah in the second round, depending on how the matchups kind of go. Uh, if the Lakers and Portland win, I think the Portland Trail Blazers can beat the Clippers and play Utah in the in the Conference Final. But we'll see how that plays out. So they're my surprise team. Um, we are going to take a quick break here one more time. And when we come back a little NHL boys, because you know, why not all that and more right after this. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 minutes on ice. Join me and my co-host Nick McVicker for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episodes available every Tuesday, wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We are back, boys. Let's get to it quickly here. Are you ready for some NHL playoff thoughts? And uh, there's a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right in. And first uh, and foremost, we got to talk about the Tavares thing. And... That injury was awful to watch. It was the sound in the arena. I know there was no fans, but it was it was like sickening just to sit there and listen to nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know what your initial thoughts were on the injury and also how do you think the Leafs kind of refocus after losing their captain? Irfan, we'll start with you and then we'll get to you, Kyle. I mean, the biggest thing, I didn't see this live. I had to watch it afterwards. But the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I think this is why I believe they'll be okay uh, with the Montreal series, is the fact that you see leaders such as Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, and Mitch Marner in the background there, all surrounding their captain, having a word with him, trying to keep him calm. I think the voice of the two veteran players and the two most experienced players on your team is going to actually help them through. Obviously, they lost game one, but after something like that and it was a freak accident i don't blame Corey perry i don't blame anybody for that um but i really do think that they'll bounce back well and they'll win a game for him or they'll win the series for him because there's so much talent there's so much leadership and there's so much calmness coming out of their big boys um so that's what i really appreciated seeing was like your captain's down but you have two three big players on your team going over there keeping everyone calm keeping everyone focused and i think that's why they're in there and then obviously the, the next topic we'll talk about, but Felino coming up and, and going, you know what, well, we got to do something to kick the tires, try and move things around. Um, and Kyle Dubas has done a great job bringing in a veteran presence just for moments like this, for sure. Yeah. Kyle, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, initial thoughts are the TV provider absolutely dropped the ball completely on this one. You cannot show that in an empty arena and you cannot replay that hit 17 times on live TV. It, it was a terrible hit. 
You show it once or twice and you go to commercial. The fact that they went to commercial as he was going off the ice, I think is a huge drop of the ball by the TV station. I get you want to cover the injury and make sure it's all right, but you cannot be showing him, especially in an empty arena, basically floundering on the ice and everything happening like that. It's It leaves everybody standstill. Everybody's, you know, their heart stopped, that type of thing. You know, they the 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 stomach knot, like that kind of stuff. To me, that was the biggest issue right there, you know. And it's, it's one of those, I feel bad for Tavares because he's going to see that all, all over the place. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, the Toronto Sun – literally can kiss my ass that's that's the biggest thing that they, they they put the headline out uh, of like you know uh, i can't remember what it was but yeah basically just saying like you know kind of like eh, Tavares shouldn't have been in that place and you know i kind of deserved it type thing and it was one of those it it, it, it it was just terrible and you know does it hurt the leaves 100 hurts the leaves you know whenever you lose your your second line one b center of course it hurts it's, it's going to hurt for a while I think the Leafs the like, yeah, and I think the Leafs do bounce back. Don't get me wrong, because they they played a good game. They got they got a bad power play, uh, bad power play against a shorthanded goal against. Um, that kind of uh, killed full, all the all the full credit to Byron on that one. That that is a tough oh, play to make. Like he made the perfect yeah. shot. The, the biggest thing for me is that Carey Price save on Mitch Marner turned around that game for Montreal yeah. and gave him the energy back. So, yeah. you know. I, I feel for Tavares. It looks like he's out. He's going to be out for at least, as I said, at least two weeks right now. So um, he, he has to, he has to be done for the rest of the playoffs, in my personal opinion. Yeah, he he probably won't. But that's just I know how. he probably won't be, and I don't know who's going to rush him back, whether it's the team or himself. But in my personal opinion, after something like that, he should he should sit for at least a month, a month and a half. Yeah, it won't be the Leafs. It won't be the Leafs to rush him back. It'll be Tavares. Tavares was trying to get up and go play. Well, during that's that play. hold so, on. That's adrenaline. I, oh, hundred percent. But I'm saying it's also who Tavares is. It's not I, just the adrenaline saying, I, "Hey, I'm good to go." It's, it's Tavares as the player saying, "Hey, I'm hurt, but it's the playoffs. I'm still going to play." So, to me, well, to be fair, I don't think he really knew where he was. So. No, sure, but um, definitely, definitely a hurt for sure. Hate to see that happen to to a great player in the league, but um, the Leafs have to bounce back, and I think they'll use this as motivation throughout the series. Yeah. Um, quickly, I want to talk about it, Irfan. You mentioned it. Uh, do you think the fight immediately after was necessary? The one like I'm sorry, like puck drop right after they came back. Do you think that was necessary? First of all, Perry shouldn't have been on the ice. By the way, he should have come on for a later shift. He shouldn't have been on the very next shift. But. Do you think that was necessary immediately following the injury, or could this have been something that they talked about? They told Perry, "Hey, we're gonna fight you next shift. Just be ready, so it doesn't look like it's right after." Like, is that is could that been a way, or is this even a necessary fight in your opinion, Irfan? I don't think it's a necessary fight, but that's the hockey culture that's there. It's the you know your big players out, intentional or not, you got to drop the gloves or you got to push around. It's the playoffs. Um, I think it was Felino's way of waking up the rest of his team because I think they were shell shocked. Um, it was just like, okay, you know what? What if I drop the gloves? We get this over, put this on the side, and keep playing our game. And I think that's sort of the motivation and sort of the the intention with that. I don't think the fight was necessary because it wasn't intentional. Like you saw, like you both saw the play, like he's trying to come out of his own. It's a, it, it, it's an accidental contact. Um, so I don't like, like what happens if Felino and Perry are both out now because they have a broken knuckle 
or something or they're both injured at the end of this or you know what i mean like fights can that that's the that's the problem with fights is like one of them can not be able to play now you know broken nose broken hand right so i mean it's a little dumb but i guess like i said it's the hockey culture it's the sort of thing where you hit our best player intentional or not we have to do it just to get back into our game yeah yeah and i get i get having some sort of energy boost but it didn't make sense to me right after and i think that's what frustrated me the most and i texted kyle right away yeah i texted kyle right away and I'm like, that fight was ridiculous to me. Like, it just doesn't make sense at that moment. No. I get I get trying to infuse energy. But both teams were in shock. It was a low energy fight too, as well. Like it, it didn't spark it anything. It, let's, no. let's be very clear. It was a it was a push around grab to Felino flew a, through a couple punches. Perry did nothing. Perry mm. was just taking his beating so he could get to the box. Like, that's pretty much where it was at. Right, Kyle, and you, you can talk about it. Um, I think Bieksa was the one during the intermission had a very good point. The Leafs didn't see the replay. Right, like don't forget the players on the bench couldn't have seen the replay at this point. They weren't watching the replay. They don't know that it was completely accidental. And Felino made a good point after the game. He said, "Yeah, our captain was down on the ice. Our captain got stretchered off. We needed to. We needed to send a message." Again, I just don't think it made sense at the time. But Kyle, what is your thoughts? Um, I think the biggest thing is it, it doesn't matter if it's, it's intentional or not. That's the biggest thing. Your captain goes down. It looks like a dirty play. Your team is deflated because that energy is zero in that rink because there's nobody in the rink. You have to do something. And, and it's one of those, I don't think it should have been Felino doing it. I think it should have been Simmons doing it. Because you can, you can justify taking Simmons out of the lineup for five minutes. You're perfectly fine. You can, you can move on. Taking Felino out of your lineup for five minutes is a different story. Felino brings something to that lineup. So to me, I think it was the wrong person who fought, but I 100% agree with the fight because I think it has to, the Leafs have to get something. You can't go out and the face-off, that next face-off, with that lingering in your mind. You can't, you can't have that being the last image before you go and play because the, if, if that's the case, the Leafs never bounce back and they never do anything. So um, to me, I think that fight has to happen, and that's just how hockey is. That's how how it goes it's it the fight was going to happen it did not matter who it was like nick you and i talked you know what if, if shea weber did the hit would it be different than Corey perry no the fight would have happened either way you know would people be thinking it was a dirty hit no because it's shea weber but it's Corey perry he's a rat and people think that anything he does that injures another player is immediately dirty so that that to me that would be the only difference if it was somebody else but i think the fight had to happen no matter what do you think Perry should have been on the ice though for the very first faceoff afterwards? No, that's on. Well, first off, that's on Ducharme. I know. I'm, I'm I'm asking you though, as as a person, would you have put him out for the very first faceoff afterwards? I think the only thing I think Corey Perry probably said he wants to stay out there just to face the face it like face like head on to get the fight over. Okay. With. I think okay. that's the biggest thing, right? Because if you if you look later, if if it's later on in the game and he doesn't fight there immediately, Perry's getting jumped later in the game and getting a fight whether he wants it or not Fair so I, th- I think for perry it was hey montreal get it out of the way let's get back to the game okay again i'm not a big i don't support the fight but like i i've listened to people i've listened to you i listened to what kevin bx has said mm-hmm. i understand the rationale behind it i'm still not i still think it was a dumb fight but i i digress i will move on um from one rat in perry to using Kyle's words, one rat in Perry to another one. 
Kadri, what are you doing? Like, this is the third playoff suspension in a row for this guy. Eight games. He will be out for at least the next round. Is he playing himself off of top teams? Like, this is a guy who had a very decent year. He had 30-plus points again in a shortened season. He usually gets up to the 45-50 point mark. He's a very solid player in the regular season when emotions are low. Now all of a sudden he gets into the playoffs and he's an idiot. He can't play. A top team cannot sign him after this because you lose him for the playoffs almost guaranteed. Right, Irfan? Like, am I wrong, Irfan? Is this, he's playing himself out of top teams. No, he, he, you're right. I think he is playing himself off top teams in top moments. Um, and, and that sucks to say because of how good of a player he actually is when he's on his game. Um, you know, I've watched this hit maybe a few times and he just didn't line up fault no properly. He didn't, he didn't need to go in for the hit, first of all, obviously, but he also didn't line him up well. It's like, well, he's already in a vulnerable position the way that play was happening. And I think Kadri is just trying to um, spark his team because if you look at the St. Louis Av series, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to defend him, but I'm also looking at it from a different perspective is the Blues are finishing their hits. The Blues are finishing hits late. They're pushing the abs around when it comes to getting out hit. Um, and then an example is last night where, you know, half the time McKinnon doesn't have the puck and he's getting pushed around. Um, and I think this is just Kadri's way of trying to keep up with that, but I don't think he needs to do that. And that's the same thing in that Boston series was he was trying to keep up with the hitting and he didn't need to do it because of how important of an offensive player he was for the Leafs and how important he is now for the abs. Um, I don't know. I think he needs to pick his hits properly. And if, you know, he's worried about trying to trying to hit back, then maybe he doesn't need to be on the ice against four checkers or something. I don't know. Like it just, it was just a, it's just a bad decision on his end for, he could for have sure. made that such a clean hit. Yeah. Like, he, he just was, didn't line him he up. He was really. like a foot from being a perfect hit though. Like it wasn't he like was. it was an inch. He was like a foot from being a perfect hit. Yeah. Kyle, what what were your thoughts and what do you think about Kadri playing himself possibly out of top teams for his next contract? Kadri being Kadri, there's not not much more to say that than, than that. It's he he's one of those guys where he thinks he needs to take it to the next level and tries to get all that energy, tries to tries to take that next step, and that's not who that's not who he should be. So mm-hmm. um, to me, to me, it's definitely deserving he deserves the eight games there's no question about that you know justin and i were talking that he potentially shouldn't even get 10 games but um, well his last his last suspension was five yeah well his last his last suspension was remainder of the series so um right so to me it, it definitely deserved more than that so um i will it happen again yes it will happen again that's just padre he's not going to stop it you know it, it's simple as that but um definitely deserving the eight games and it's disappointing because he's a good player yeah it is and that's what exactly you nailed it on the head he's a good player he has no need to do this and yet we keep finding him in these spots kind of similar to tom wilson tom wilson's a good player but he keeps tom wilson tom wilson is a good player he is a good player yes but the fact that you know tom wilson can hit and like a, a defenseless guy on the ice and get away with it Richie's not defensive. Don't give me that shit. He's a what? No, no, no. I meant I'm talking about the the Rangers game. I'm not talking oh, about shit. last night. Richie's a rat. Don't give me that shit. 
<laughs> okay, before we get too heated here, <laughs> let's let's move on to uh, the playoffs talk. It, it, it's lived up to the hype so far, boys. Um, I want to get one surprise team or something that you've really enjoyed so far. Quickly, Earthfun will start with you. Um, the compete level, I guess. I mean, you're you're just seeing teams trying so hard not to give away space, and then it's just. I don't know. I don't really have much of a, a playoff thought because I still think it's super early, but um, the West games have been fun. I will say that. That Vegas mini series has been very good. Um, the Avs blue series has been good. Um, I also think the Jets Oilers series has been fun to watch the last two games. The fact that Connor McDavid has been pointless in two straight games is is pretty big. Um, I mean, we did say that that will happen because of the attention that the Jets are going to try to limit him with and, and try the same thing. So three very good series, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts? One one surprise uh, team or something that you like? The, the amount of close games, that's the biggest thing for me. Is That was yes, mine. It's, 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 yes, it's playoff hockey, but the amount of one nothing, 2-1 games, and, and the lowest scoring games of that, too, is surprising how many we've had so far, knowing how goal scoring has gone this year. So, um, to me, that's the biggest thing. And the playoffs have been exciting. You know, I, I said I wasn't going to watch that Islanders-Pittsburgh game, but to be honest, that's been one of the better series so far this year. So, um, All three games, yeah, one-goal games in that series. Exactly. So, I, I'm, I'm hoping it continues, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, my, my point was that, Every single series, except for the Colorado-St. Louis series, has had a game decided by one goal, which is incredible. That's not that's something we have not been able to say for a while. Yeah. They're, all of the series are very, very tight. It's entertaining to watch. We've had overtime games in every single series except for the Colorado series and uh, the Toronto series, but they've only played one game. And that was even a one-goal game. It's it's just fun to watch. All these teams look evenly matched, and we're seeing some really good hockey. The only one that's kind of been a blowout is the Avalanche series, and that's because they've gotten a bunch of empty netters, so the score lines look a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. But Colorado is also significantly better right now, and it's not even close. Um, all right, boys, we're at the final thoughts portion. So, Kyle, start us off. What do you got for final thoughts this week? Uh, final thoughts playoffs are well in swing and i'm definitely looking forward to watching hockey the entire time uh also hopeful that uh cory connors turns it around and actually uh wins the championship yeah that'd be nice uh Irfan, final thought my friend uh albert pujos going over to the dodgers um i've been cheering for him ever since that happened gets a nice little hit gets a home run last night um it's nice to see a good a very good hall of fame potential player do well um cheering for him so Nice to see that. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. I love seeing it. Um, I'm super excited to watch Alec Manoa. <laughs> that is my final. This guy is lights out good, and he will be with the Jays in no time, by the sounds of it. Like he is working his way into possibly a rotation spot in the next couple weeks, and to me. That's awesome because we don't get to see players get fast-tracked to the MLB very often. He's getting fast-tracked. That'll do it for us here this week. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow us, you can follow us each on Twitter, at Nick McVicker for myself, 
at Kyle Vardy for Kyle and at Irfan Manji for Irfan. If you're looking for the show, check us out on Twitter at Garage Door Sport, on Instagram at Garage Door Sports, and don't forget to check out the website, garagedoorsports.com, for all of your needs. We will be back next week to talk a little, I mean, probably MLB, NBA, and NHL again, but we'll see what else comes up in the meantime. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.